It was now about noon, we heard. That is, it's the brightest time of day where the sun is at its highest. And it's at this hour that the greatest darkness the world has known comes over all the land. And we need to think of this more than just physical darkness. Of course, though, God could create darkness for this length of time if he wanted to. But this is more than just physical darkness. Something greater. Jesus said when he was arrested that darkness would rule this hour. Betrayal. Injustice. The one who should have been honored and followed was crucified. Was hanging by nails. The crown of thorns. Bleeding for hours. Darkness came over the land until three in the afternoon. Injustice, seen and unseen evil forces, principalities and powers we're supposed to imagine too. It makes me think of the scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that leads up to Aslan's death. And it gives us this, an imagination for what was going on here in these hours with Jesus, which of course is what C.S. Lewis intended to do. This is how he described it. A great crowd of people were standing all around the stone table. And though the moon was shining, many of them carried torches which burned with evil-looking red flames and black smoke. But such people, ogres and with monstrous teeth and wolves and bullheaded men, spirits of evil trees and poisonous plants and other creatures whom I won't describe because if I did, the grown-ups probably wouldn't let you read this book. The cruels and hags and incubuses, wraiths, horrors. In fact, here were all those who were on the witch's side and whom the wolf had summoned at her command. And right in the middle, standing by the table, was the witch herself. Lewis helps us imagine how darkness came over the whole land. Seen and unseen evil forces, principalities and powers, and more than that, the sin of the whole world was coming upon him, that he was bearing upon the cross. The sun's light failed that day, it says. Even with all the sun's power, at the core, the sun can reach temperatures of up to 27 million degrees. Solar flares blast a billion tons of matter off the sun's surface, equivalent to about one million megatons of TNT. Its light keeps our planet alive by traveling through dark space for 93 million miles, overcoming all that dark space. But its light failed this day. Its light would not be good enough powerful enough. We needed another kind of light here, an eternal light, the light of the Son of God, the light of the world, the light who was shining in the darkness, that bright flame who would eventually overcome the darkness, but not yet. 
not before it got darker. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He's quoting a psalm, Psalm 31. Up to this point, he had been in the hands of men and malice. And now, with the help of this psalm, he's placing his spirit in the hands of his father. Having said this, he breathed his last. And so, we killed that bright flame. There's a poem written on a wall in Auschwitz written by an anonymous inmate. And this is what can be read of the poem, what remains. There is grace, though, and wonder on the way. Only they are hard to see, hard to embrace for those compelled to wander in darkness. It's hard to imagine someone writing that. Those words, expressing such truth, beauty, and hope in such an evil and ugly and hopeless place. That's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine when the greatest darkness over all the land was happening and then we killed that flame, the light of the world. The only flame that was shining in that moment. We snuffed him out. It's hard to imagine. And yet, grace and wonder were on the way. It says the curtain of the temple was torn in two. A sign and a promise of that grace and wonder coming. The curtain torn in two means the time for the temple, the physical temple, was over. Jesus was the temple, and in him so are we. And through him and his death, the whole creation is going to be again the cosmic temple of God, which was supposed to be all along. And not just a part of it, but the whole thing is going to be the holy of holies. The whole thing is going to be the Garden of Eden, where you can walk with God in the cool of the day. The curtain torn in two means that barrier between us and God has been brought down. So those angels that were guarding that Garden of Eden with flaming swords, now they're waving us in. That curtain that separated us from the holy of holy presence of God has been torn in two. That barrier within us that resists God, ignores God, separates us from God, has been brought down. Grace and wonder are on the way. Only they're hard to see, hard to embrace for those compelled to wander in the darkness. And I think that might be true for some of us here tonight. That's true for millions of Ukrainians right now. And I want to say tonight, though, that grace and wonder are easier to see and to embrace at the cross. We are church of the cross. At the center of our gathering is a cross. 
It is where we look to when we want to know what God is like. He's our God who comes to us in human form in suffering love, as, as a hymn that puts it by that same name. In suffering love, our God comes now. Hope's vision born in gloom, with tears and gladness shared and blessed, the desert yet will bloom. We look to the cross to see what God is like. We look to the cross to see what he has done to rescue us, to make things right. The same hymn says, there is a rock, a place secure within the storm's cold blast, concealed within the suffering night, God's covenant stands fast. His covenant, his promise to make us right, to make all things right. And that rock is Christ on the cross. We look to the cross when we send all that's wrong at the end of our service, all that's wrong in the world, all that's wrong in us and in our life together, because it's there that everything is made right. It's there that our sin is judged and forgiven and all things made new. So when life is dark, we must look to the light of the cross. You've probably noticed that Catholic crosses, crucifixes, have Jesus on the cross, while Protestant crosses typically don't. And the two sides of the same gospel. And tonight, eventually, we're going to see both. But Protestant crosses emphasize the result of the cross, the resurrection, that our Lord is no longer there. He's risen. He's no longer in the grave. He's at the Father's right hand. And in a profound way, he's present with us through the Spirit. But the Catholic cross focuses on the way of the cross, the suffering love of the cross, how our divine brother meets us in the darkness, how he comes to us in the suffering night and tears that curtain in two to be with us and to make our desolate, desolate lives bloom again. When I went through my own dark night of the soul, the only thing that gave me hope, the only thing that sustained me, that enabled me to see and embrace that coming grace and wonder was to see him and the meaning of his suffering and death. So when life goes dark, look to him and to his cross. Amen.